Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Mordiello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And it was, to use a cliche, it was a tale of two halves in Queens at Karnasek Arena on Wednesday night as the Red Storm go into the break, trailing by 11 against the Providence Friars, looking like the team that was 1-6 to start off conference play, or 1-5 to start off conference play, looking like the team that was lost on really both ends of the floor in half court, looking like a team that got skewered by DePaul, in the paint a couple of weeks ago, looking like they were on their way to giving up 80-85 points in another tough loss. And then seemingly at the snap of a finger, things turn around for the second half. They nearly double up Providence, outscoring the Friars by 25 points in the second half to result in an 81-67 victory on Wednesday night, the Red Storm get back in the win column. They are 15 and 10 overall, and perhaps more importantly, they are 9 and 9 back to 500 in the conference. The door remains open for a first round bye in the Big East tournament, which would be the first time in six years that they achieved that. The door remains open for a top four finish in the Big East if they can win on Saturday against Seton Hall and if Xavier falls uh, on the road against Marquette. So, Big win tonight for St. John's, obviously. Um, in general, though, I mean, the the intensity was just turned up another level in that second half. And I'm going to talk with Brendan Myers in a second. In fact, I'm recording this after I talked to Brendan. And we mentioned, it, you know, it didn't feel like St. John's really did anything incredibly different from a game plan or an X's and O's type, you know, standpoint. If you want to say they did a better job on Nate Watson in the second half, I would agree with that, sure. You know, they just did a better job defensively in the paint in the second half, sure. If you want to say they attacked the basket more in the second half, that's that's another fair argument as well. But in terms of an actual game plan, it didn't feel like they did a whole lot different in that second in that second half, excuse me. The difference to me was just the intensity was on a whole nother level in that second half. And you saw it from the first two minutes on. I mean, the announcers referenced it on CBS Sports Network. They brought up the intensity. I mean, you could just see from the second that that ball was inbound in the second half, something had changed for them from an, from an intensity standpoint, which is good to see. Because you mentioned the DePaul game, you know, where that entire game, it felt like, all right, when's the run going to come? You know, when are we going to get back in this game now? We're down 10. When are we going to hit the 12-0 run to take the lead? You know, when are we going to do that? The Villanova game, even. Different opponent, obviously. But that whole game, it was what? It was, all right, we're down by 17. When are we going to make the run to cut it down to 9? You know, we're down 20. When are we going to make the run to cut it down to 11 here? When's that run coming? And it never came. In in both of those games, it never came. The intensity, I think, and I, you know, you don't want to question effort, but you could definitely say in the last two losses, the intensity that we had seen St. John's play with for the past month plus was not there. Tonight, in that first half, it was not there. Resulted in an 11-point deficit, obviously, going into the halftime break. But second half, just the moment that ball was inbounded, like I said, the intensity was picked up on both ends of the floor. And it results in a in a second half where they outscore Providence by 25 points. 
absolutely incredible win. And I haven't even mentioned, if if you didn't watch the game, that the win came without their perhaps, I don't want to say, I know Zach Braziller always mentioned this, their most important player in uh, Posh Alexander who would miss this game with the thumb injury. I I saw him in a, in a cast before the game. Obviously, the MRIs were negative or the x-rays were negative. So it's not a break. It's just a sprain. You hope that it's just kind of a pain management thing and maybe the pain was too much for him to play tonight. He was a game time decision tonight. So you hope that he's back for Saturday against Seton Hall or, or worst case, you hope that he's back for the Big East tournament Uh next week but he was in a cast before this game so we really don't know I don't want to speculate on you know when he will come back if he does come back at all this season but when you consider Posh Alexander being out as well in this game down by 11 at the half like I said without your most important player on the court without the guy too who is kind of that you know spark plug for you on both ends you know, Posh Alexander is kind of that that you know that energizer bunny for this team. If if I will uh, make a reference there, you know, he's like that energizer bunny on both ends. You know, he's the guy that's gonna pickpocket you know the uh, the the point the opposing point guard for an easy layup. He's the guy that's gonna jump in a passing lane and get a steal. He's the guy that's gonna attack the basket when no one else wants to. It's Posh Alexander, and they didn't have that tonight. So to do what they did in this game down by 11 at the half without Posh Alexander, to me, is just even more impressive. And like I mentioned, that change in intensity in the second half, without Posh Alexander, without your spark plug, without your energizer bunny on both ends of the court, to do what they did with the from an intensity standpoint in the second half is nothing short of incredible. And give Mike Anderson all the credit in the world and this staff all the credit in the world. Whatever halftime speech they told these guys, it worked. It absolutely worked because to me it was just a, a different team. The team in the first half looked like the team that we saw against Villanova. Didn't really want to be there. Lifeless, sluggish, turning the ball over. Too many, you know, simple three pointers, forced three pointers, or you know, three pointers. A lot of time shooting. Not enough attacking the basket on defense. Playing that, you know, Olay defense, letting guys go right into the paint with no problem. Way too much of that in the first half. Second half, boom, completely different team. So credit to Mike Anderson and his staff for whatever they said at halftime. And I haven't mentioned any specific players yet outside of Posh who didn't play, but my goodness, Rasheem Dunn and Greg Williams. You want to talk about the two guys who really keyed this win? It's got to be those two. You know, when we found out about an hour before tip that Posh Alexander was not going to play in this game, right away everyone said, Rasheem's got to step up and Greg Williams got to step up. Because you know what you're going to get out of Julian Champagny. Even when he has a a quote-unquote quiet game like he did tonight, 4 of 9 from the field and uh, 16 points overall, he still goes for 16 in a double-double. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know what you're going to kind of get out of Vince Cole. You know, he didn't have a great game, only shot 3 of 7 and missed a couple of open threes, uh, scored 8 points. So you know you're going to get, you know, kind of in that range from him. And dare I say, you know what you're going to get out of Isaiah Moore now. He put in his 10 points. He was a big part of this comeback as well in the second half. Shot four of six from the field. But, you know, those kind of guys, you know what you're going to get. Rasheem Dunn and Greg and Greg Williams were the two guys who you said they need to have a good game. If they don't have a good game, St. John's going to lose this game. Rasheem and Greg were both, I can say it because they won and they end up making up for it in the second half. They were both brutal in that first half. Rasheem, I think, was 0 of 7 from the field. Did not have an assist in the first half. 
Greg wasn't much better. I know that he had one shot at least, but I don't remember what his shooting was in the first half. But they went one of whatever in the first half. Just a terrible first half for those two guys. St. John's down by 11. Second half comes. Rasheem Dunn shoots, I think, 8 of 9 from the field in the second half. Greg Williams has, I don't know how many points he had in the second half, but was, was definitely a, a big part of that run. Had the big 5-0 uh, run himself in that second half. Rasheem Dunn and Greg Williams like night and day, first half and second half. And they key, they were the keys to this win. They were the driving force behind this win. Because if they, if they played like they played in that first half, missing shots, taking bad shots, turnovers, just, you know, not executing, missing open shots in Greg's case. They played like they played in the first half. This would have been a 15-20 point loss. Guarantee it. Doesn't matter what Julian did. Doesn't matter what Isaiah Moore did. If Greg Williams and Rasheem Dunn played a second half like they played a first half, this is a 15-20 point loss. No doubt. Those two guys were, were superhumans in the second half, the way that they played. And give Rasheem Dunn credit, man, because he played, a, like I said, a terrible game against DePaul, didn't play much better against Villanova, played a bad first half in this one, senior, stays focused, and plays probably the best half of his career in the second half. And I feel like he was playing more of his game in the second half, you know? Didn't take as many forced jumpers. Took a cup, took a three and hit it with the shot clock winding down. Attacked the basket. We saw him on a fast break actually pass the ball to his teammate this time. Made some smart decisions on fast breaks, which we hadn't seen in the last couple of games. Credit to Rasheem Dunn, a senior, for not hanging his head there. For staying smart. For really rebounding after a really terrible 2.5 games. And he was the key to this win. He did exactly what they needed him to do. And Greg Williams did the same. And Greg Williams kind of looked like the, the the Greg Williams that we know. You know, with that bounce. With that first step that we've seen that's been so deadly for him. Looked like he's kind of getting back to 100% now, for sure. Which is big going into the conference tournament. But hey, at this point now, right now I believe they are actually in 5th place because they've played more games than Xavier but they do not control their own destiny. Well, they do control their own destiny for fifth place, actually. Win at home against a Seton Hall team that is just plummeting right now. Lost again tonight against UConn. They can't seem to figure it out on the offensive end. I know that it's a tough matchup for you, but that was three months ago. This is a different St. John's team. And I mean, what, what, what more fitting way to end the season to try to get a top five seed in this conference tournament than to play a team that obviously you kicked off Big East play against three months ago and to play another game where you say we should win this game you know St. John's will probably be favored in this game and they should win that game and at the end of the day if you want to be a top five team in this conference win that game beat Seton Hall it's a winnable game. You're Like I said, you're going to be a favorite, I would think, in that game. Win that game. And then you guarantee yourself no lower than fifth. You can even jump up to fourth. Obviously, it won't really matter because fourth and fifth play each other in the first round. But 
I mean, this season has already been a success. We've already seen the progress that we wanted to see. We've already seen the development of, of really everyone on the roster. The new guys, Posh, Isaiah Moore, Dylan Wusu, even Vince Cole, have, have come in and, and played their roles nicely. And I've all, I would say, met or exceeded expectations. We've seen the improvement on the roster for, for sure. So overall, I would say this season is already a success. Sure. But you want to take that next jump? Win. Saturday night against Seton Hall. Close out your season with two straight wins. Go into the conference tournament as as the fourth or the fifth seed. Clinch a first round bye for the first time in six years. That's what I want to see now. With or without Posh Alexander, you hope that he can play, but you should win that game. And then go into the conference tournament and hey, say we need we need two wins in the conference tournament and we're in the and we're in the championship game. That's that's my mindset, but we'll see we'll see how it goes from there. Obviously, we will see how they how they play on Saturday night. And we'll see how they play going into the conference tournament. But overall, credit to this team for an absolutely incredible win tonight, and for an absolutely incredible second half tonight, where it really came out of nowhere, like I said, and just turned it on the second half and played arguably their best half of the season I would say uh, in their, or one of their best halves of the season I would say in this uh, in this second half tonight and we're going to break it all down now a little bit further with our guy Brendan Myers uh, we'll have him on We've had, first time we've had him on after a win in, uh, in some time so hope you guys enjoy and I'll be back on the other end to wrap this show up alright I'm now joined by Brendan Myers First ever guest on this program, and he comes on here tonight to discuss the Red Storm's 81 to 67 win over Providence at Carnesecca Arena. Brendan, how are you doing tonight? I'm excited. Like we were talking before, before we started recording, I was ready for the doom and gloom podcast tonight. I was ready for the the recap of a 15 point Providence victory after watching that first half. But you know, things changed in that second half. Troy definitely didn't did not see that coming. All of my all of my basketball expertise and analysis did not did not foresee that coming. I don't know about you, but th- this might be the first time I've ever been on after a conference win. So this might this might be a milestone here tonight. Yeah, I truly don't think we have ever had you on after a, a Big East win. You're right. So this is a this is a big moment for this podcast for sure. Historic moment, some would say. Actually, um, in the you know in the comeback, you said no one saw this coming. I don't think anyone saw it coming in the way that it was that it came, and really from the player that led the charge in Rasheem Dunn, who played just a brutal game against DePaul a couple weeks ago, didn't play great last week against Villanova, and played a brutal first half in this game, comes out of nowhere, scores 21 points in this game, 8 of 15, I think went 8 of 9 from the field in the second half. I mean, Rasheem was, was night and day first and second half. I don't know what happened at halftime, but it was incredible. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player to analyze because I mean I don't know how how deep the analytics guys go into college basketball, but he's got to be an analytics guy's worst nightmare, right? <laughs> yeah. you think about all those those one step shot inside the arc. You know, he's a big mid range jumper, and you know in the first half those weren't falling, but in the second half they seemed to fall elbow jumpers. But he also started attacking the rim a little bit more. You saw the play where he just stripped it from from Horkler up when St. John's was on defense at the elbow, went down the other way and won. And I think that's what that's when Rasheem Dunn is at his best. I think he's a confidence player. He's a rhythm player. So when he he's able to establish himself driving and he sees the ball going through the hoop, you know he's a much different player. He made a three late in that 
in that second half. He made two of them for the day. That's not usually something you're used to for Rasheem Dunn, per se. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when that confidence is flowing in the second half like it was, if St. John's is going to do anything moving forward, you know, they had that last game against Seton Hall coming up on Saturday. But as far as the Big East tournament, you know, you're uncertain about the status of Tosh Alexander right now. Mm-hmm. My guess, and this is complete speculation, don't want to imply that I, that I know anything or mm-hmm. on the inside, but just how tough we've seen him to be on the outside, you got to figure he's going to try to at least have a go at it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. On Saturday again, complete speculation, but it's going to be up to those two, those two guys, Rasheem Dunn and Greg Williams. I think if St. John's wants to do anything in the Big East tournament, I think the at-large bid to the NCAA tournament is probably a pipe dream. Yeah. At mm-hmm. this point, that DePaul was a, was a soul soul crushing loss at mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. that killed them. And and Troy just moving moving back to to tonight's game, I was worried, especially when when Providence went up. I think it was sixteen to eight. Yeah. In the first half, and and Anderson was forced into an early timeout. I was like, this is this is the effect of the DePaul game. They're they're crushed. Mm-hmm. They're down eight early at home. Providence has all the momentum. I, I, I thought things were going to get ugly. Had the doom and gloom ready, as I just mentioned. <laughs> but I mean, in, in the second half, I mean, we're, we were talking again before. You started recording. Don't really think St. John's did anything X and O's wise that different mm-hmm. in in the second half. Maybe they attacked the basket a little bit more. I mean, the three point shot wasn't there for either team tonight, but it, it was just that energy and intensity. You had Greg Williams stepping up, making that big play with the when he drove it, and you know the two hand slam. Yeah, that'll always plays like that will always get a team going. So just a couple heart and hustle plays. And look, if you're Providence on the other end, I don't know what really else you can expect playing a St. I mean, they only turn the ball over 11 times, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. by, by standards, when you're playing up against a, a team that, that presses you out on the perimeter in the full-court press like St. John's, 11 turnovers really ain't that bad. No, you know? no. But, yeah. but again, they're shooting four for 23 from behind the arc. I mean, that's, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Greg too for a, for a second as well. He only shot four of eleven, uh, had those fifteen points though. I thought that the sequence that you mentioned when he had the the dunk and then he hit the the corner three that cut. I believe it was a, it was a seven point Providence lead down to a two point Providence lead, and Cooley had to call the timeout. I thought that was kind of the turning point in this game because you know earlier in the in that second half St. John's had gotten you know the, the 11 point lead down to four and then it went back up to nine and then to get it back down to two there and then they they obviously went on the run after that I thought that that run for Greg was huge for his confidence and I feel like just for this game that was the turning point do you agree yeah no I, I think with Greg you know you're a little bit frustrated because I don't think I, I, I can't remember who I was telling this to but Greg in a way is almost too good of a teammate. Yeah. What I mean by that is that you never really see him trying to find his own shot. He always wants to make the right basketball play, and he tries to play within himself. But, I mean, he's so talented mm-hmm. that sometimes you just want him to go to go get his own shot because he's, he's so skilled. The first step of his is so quick. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder if, you know, some of the injuries and some of the rehabbing has him, uh, you know, not as confident as he should be, but I mean, you, you look back, you know, a 
couple days ago, we had the year anniversary of, of his outburst against Craig in the yeah. Karnasek Arena. So, I mean, you just see, you know, all the, the high-flying dunks. You see the confidence, the athleticism with him. So, you know, you're looking at that 4 for 11 shooting and, you know, it doesn't jump off the page. Mm-hmm. Finish, finish with 15 points, again, not going to jump off the page. But with Greg, and I just mentioned him alongside Rasheed Dunn, that if Posh is, is out for an extended period of time or minutes restriction, anything like that, it's going to be those two that are going to take this team because Julian Champagne needs help, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, talking about that too with, with, you know, Posh potentially being out now for the next game and we don't know about the Big East tournament. We hope that he can play, but we don't know. If you're just looking at this box score, I feel like looking at the scoring outputs, obviously Julian only scores 16, but like 15 from Greg, obviously Rasheem had a great game, 21, 8 from Vince Cole, 10 from Isaiah Moore. Like that's the exact type of production I feel like that they needed to kind of make up for Posh. I know Posh is in this incredible score, but just in terms of the, of the scoring outputs, like the guys who you needed to step up did step up. Greg Williams, Rasheem Dunn, Isaiah Moore, and Vince Cole. They they all stepped up really and played, I thought, really nice games tonight. Yeah, and I mean, what more can you ask for from, from guys like Isaiah Moore you yeah. know, coming in? This, and I mean, he's an energy guy. It, yeah. It's as simple as that. He's never going to you know, put up 24, 26 points a game, but that's not what St. John's needs from him right now. You know, Josh Roberts, you're... you're his his minutes seem to be up and down, and they fluctuate, and you're not quite sure what's going on there. And and you know, not that it was perfect defense, and Nate Watson still yeah. had a good game. <laughs> but but Isaiah Moore held his own. You saw them go nose to nose at one point during during the first half. And and St. John's need that interior, you know, tough guy presence. I know Isaiah Moore's probably not not as strong. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I say probably <laughs> definitively knowing not yeah. as strong as a guy like Nate Watson, but you know just just that toughness and that tenacity and, and that mental mindset that when Isaiah Moore is defending, you know he 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 truly does not want anybody to score against him. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, that's half of the battle down there because Nate Watson, you know, if you just look at the the measurable, should have been bullying him down there. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of times he, he did, yeah. Him down, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it wasn't perfect defense. Nate Watson still finished nineteen points, and I got. Uh, you can't rewrite history with them, but yeah. they're just coming down the dunks on the other end. Dunks are always going to get a team fired up, and, mm-hmm. and you know, gave gave St. John some momentum. You know, Wushu coming in scoring six. I mean, again, is, is six points really going to jump out of you? Absolutely not. But it you know converted the layup when St. John was on a run in the middle of the, mm-hmm. the second half. So just getting those plays from from some of the younger guys. And, and newer guys and, and guys that you don't really expect double-digit mm-hmm. scoring performances from. Because, I mean, let's face it, right? Like, you have – and I'll ask you a question, Troy. You, yeah. have, you have Champagne, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who obviously can get get his own shot at will. Rasheem Dunn likes to go isolation. Yeah. But, but you know, you're probably not always the most comfortable with his shot selection, fair no. to say. No. Abs- abs- so, I agree, yes. <laughs> I mean, St. John's needs to manufacture points from somewhere. So if that's Isaiah Moore catching lobs yes. and, and dunking on putbacks, that's what St. John's needs right now. Mm-hmm. And, and with Moore, too, I mean, we talk about, you know, you know, Rasheem kind of coming into his own and, and kind of figuring out his game. Isaiah Moore is just a, a perfect example, I feel like, of a guy who, you know, the first, let's say, I don't know, 10 games of the year, didn't really know his role, didn't really know you know, what his game was on the offensive end. You talk about a guy now who, who shoots, it feels like, you know, four of six, five of seven, you know, six of eight, every single game, it feels like, is getting, you know, 10 points a game on mostly dunks, it feels like, is hanging around the rim, is getting, like you said, those lobs and those putbacks, stepping out occasionally because he can hit that, that open three. I feel like Moore has just so much, like, figured out his role and just stuck to it these this last, I would say, month or month and a half now, I feel like. 
Yeah, don't forget too. You know, Anderson. Do I want to use the word suspended? Is it, would you say that's an accurate word? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, you could say that. It's you know a minor violation of, of yeah. rules. I guess mm-hmm. I guess is the way to put it. But he missed a game, and, and since then he's come back. He, he see, that's his. You know, again, I, I want to use the word suspension loosely. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you know he seemed to really figure it out after that, and he's coming back and, and ten points and and eleven rebounds. Four of those on the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just those hustle plays that are really going to help. Mm-hmm. And and you know, like you said, I mean, his his shot selection in the first part of the season, I, I would say, was maddening. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, f- you know, five or six seconds into the shot clock, he would be taking a three. Uh-huh. You know, it would go in. You know, one one of every three. Yeah, but then the other two were hitting the side of the backboard and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, again, like kind of like Christine Dunn, if he gets a couple of dunks early and then he takes an elbow jumper, you're okay with that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you mentioned, I'm not going to take credit for this, but it's like you mentioned with, with Rasheem too. You know, when he takes that elbow jumper, you like to have that as kind of like a, a second choice. You know what I mean? Like a backup shot clock running down. That was mm-hmm. your thought. And that, I, I like that with him and with Moore as well. You know, shot clock running, running down, you feel comfortable with him shooting a three. You don't want to see it with, with 25 seconds left in the shot clock though. Yeah, the funny part about about Dunn going back to that is that when, when you see him pull up from the mid range, you know, kind of a fade away step back with, mm-hmm. with twenty five seconds on the shot clock, you're like, "What are you doing, yeah. here, guy?" But, <laughs> but then when the shot clock's under five and he takes it, you're like, you know, I'm fine with that. I can job. live with you know, that. He, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, you're comfortable with it because he's shown. I mean, he really only makes that shot. It seems when when the shot clock's yeah. under five. Uh-huh. But so it's, it's a little maddening. I, again, I'd probably like to see a little bit more from Vince Cole, just because I think he's yeah. a much better shooter mm-hmm. than than we've seen. I mean, you saw some glimpses of, of it early, and obviously there was going to be a learning curve when it came to conference play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think you know. Prob- I, I said it. I think the last time I was on, I think I said he was the team's pure shooter. Yeah. I think Champagne's made me eat crow a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. A little bit on that since then. But, you know, Vince Cole's no scrub shooting the ball. I think they maybe could find a couple of ways to, to use him in catch and shoot situations a little bit more because he's, he's struggling to find his own shot off yeah. the dribble, I would say. Mm-hmm. A nice mm-hmm. floater early on in the game. Yeah. He attacked the basket a little bit tonight, which I liked. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe, and again, that probably all comes back when you have. You know, floor general point guard like Posh that mm-hmm. they're probably missing because for as great as as Greg, uh, Greg can be, and as good as and solid as Rasheem Dunn has been, they're not really your typical floor general point guard no, compared no. to Posh. Mm-hmm. So I think you know maybe if Posh comes back, they could try to work in a couple more sets to where Cole catch. This team loves the corner three. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be very effective on the corner three. So I think that they they should use that to their advantage a little bit more. And instead of having Champagne catch the ball in the corner and take a three. Maybe you know run a couple of sets, try and get some motion. Um, because a lot of the teams like Villanova was, was running St. John's off the perimeter and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you know just a couple of dribble penetration and yeah. and and get some guys some space on the perimeter. But I think you know with St. John's and they put up eighty one points and they, they score. I think it's seventy nine a game at this point on mm-hmm. average. Yeah, but I mean. Watching them on offense sometimes is is a struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think I think that anything they can do to give their guys more space on the perimeter will be will be a major help moving into the last part of the season. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a uh, we'll quote John Rothstein. It's not a thing of beauty when they when they score these seventy nine eighty points in the half court, but they they somehow managed to do it. Um, 
looking now, you know, forward, obviously Seton Hall coming up, a chance to clinch either fifth place or fourth place, but either way, clinch a first round bye, which would be, in my opinion, a win. Like, I'm looking at this now. If you beat Seton Hall, or even if you if you lose to Seton Hall, but if you get that, you know, first round top five spot in the Big East. I think no matter what happens in the tournament, uh, you got to consider this season just an unbelievable success. If you are managing to, you know, stay out of that first Wednesday game, we joke around, you know, playing Georgetown in that first game, but just in general, getting a first round by being a top five team in this conference, either way, I, I, I consider this season a success if they can pull that off. I mean, Troy, you know, I said it on this on the show almost every time that I'm, I don't play the moral victory game. So yep. like, we'll, we'll confirm that. <laughs> yes, you've said it. You've said it every single time, I, I think. Mostly because you come on after losses, so that makes sense. Right, right, right. Yeah. So there's, there's stuff to go. So I, I don't know how, and the, you know, the Georgetown loss and the DePaul loss. And, yeah. And, you know, there could, but for Anderson's second year, considering what they lost a year ago, Heron's gone, mm-hmm. and, you know, the injuries and stuff, Figueroa transfers. I don't know how you could argue that this season is not a success, especially where they were in the Big East Conference. And look, I know it's a double-edged sword, and you could say that, you know, why did they lose to Georgetown? You know, why did they lose to DePaul home? Why did they lose to Butler on the road when yeah. they were on the hot streak? Mm-hmm. You know, there's what-ifs and stuff, and, you know, some of that can be credited to, uh, you know, just in conference play, you're going to have slip-ups. Yeah. And the, team, the team's been inconsistent, stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I, at 9-9 nine and nine right now, with, you know... I, I, where would you rank this roster talent-wise in the Big East? That's a good question. Um, def, I mean, definitely not top five. I would say that, you know? like, yeah, like not definitely even, not, not, not an insult or anything like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I would say that certainly lower half, you know, they've, they've certainly exceeded where their talent plays right now, I would say. Right, that, right. and that's yeah. exactly the point. That's exactly the point that I'm trying to make because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, there there is something to be said, and, and the return effort on the road at Villanova was extremely disappointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to to beat Villanova by eleven at home, yeah, that's a big up. You you would have liked to have seen better showings against Creighton in both games. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You, you you beat UConn in the in the one the one meeting on the road in stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the caveats: no James Booknight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just gotta look at everything objectively. But now now the next steps for St. John's is you know Seton Hall's reeling a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not. Seton Hall is not. They're trending in the the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They should right win now. that game. Yeah, they should win that game. Right, and that that's that's what's leading me to the point is that that's the next step for St. John's. You can't lose that game to DePaul. You yeah. can't lose that game on the road to Butler. You know, you, Seton Hall coming in. That's a home game for St. John's to close out the regular season. There's going to be a lot on the line because they're nine and nine right now. Seton Hall is ten and eight. UConn ten and six. So. Does UConn have third locked up at this point? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, Mass was never my strong suit. <laughs> so, you know, fourth place on the line, you know, that, that's a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see how St. John, you know, deals with it. But to me, that's the next step for the program because we saw it, you know, with the with the Mullen team with Ponds and, and Aaron and those guys. 
they they did not beat the teams that they were supposed to beat that season. Mm-hmm. They lost to a lot of bottom feeders, and that's what kind of trailed the season off. Yeah, new new coach, new players. Now it's time to beat the teams that you're supposed to right now. Exactly, and I'll, I'll leave you on that as well. I, I was just going to say, you know, they're not winning every single game that they're supposed to, like you mentioned, to Paul Butler, you know, those those type of games, Georgetown, but they're winning like more of them. It feels like like tonight was a game that you should, you would say even without Posh, like they should win this game. Xavier, you know, last week they should win that game. Um, you know, Providence on the road, they should win that game. Like they're winning more of those games at least than we saw, you know, last year or even two years ago where it, it was maddening it felt like the amount of games that they you know came in confident that you know kind of laid a stinker um they're winning more of those games this year than years past which to me shows progress yeah definitely and you know they go into the locker room down 11 tonight mm-hmm. and whether it was x's and o's which i don't think it was no or whether it was just you know mike anderson saying you guys got to get your shit together sorry sorry for the uh now we're Sorry, we're a PG thirteen podcast. We get one yeah. curse word every episode. So we'll see. You know whether we'll never know, obviously. But I think yeah. it was more mm-hmm. than he told them to get their act together and, mm-hmm. and act like you want to be here. And then they go out and they nearly double Providence up in the second half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, just just that that's what you like to see. Because how many times if, if we watch St. John struggle out of the first half or struggle out of the second half and the game just gets away from them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that St. John's was down double digits tonight. And we've seen this team take gut punches before, too. Yeah. You know, this is, I mean, let's just look back to when they were up in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. They, they blew a huge lead. Mm-hmm. And Prov- Providence goes back up. That's a huge gut punch. Mm-hmm. And, and St. John's loses that game almost any other year Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that I've seen. And this this game, too, I think. The same same story. Yeah, definitely. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, was, I had some of it on the radio and... I'm actually drawing a blank on who the color commentator was, but he made a good point. He said that going down that by that much against against Providence is dangerous because you know Ed Cooley has no problem slowing the game down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the fact that they were able to get that game back, and I know it wasn't the 40 minutes of hell pace no. that that St. John's has been accustomed to, but the fact that they were able to speed up Providence and you know a team that has, I think, great players in David Duke and, and AJ Reeves mm-hmm. and all the. They might not always show it, but, you know, they were able to come back and double them up in the second half. But one thing, Troy, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry if, if you were meaning to wrap it up, why does Providence, when they play St. John's, not pass it to Nate Watson oh my goodness. every single I, I was going to get to that. I wasn't sure if, if you wanted to, to get going, though. But, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, he should have touched the ball every single time. It was It was amazing that he didn't touch the ball every single time. I know David Duke is one of the best players in the conference, but... I mean, you just you got to play your matchups. I mentioned <laughs> that, that Isaiah Moore was providing some some resistance, yeah. some tenacity, but mm-hmm. like he's not stopping Nate Watson. No, you know, Nate Watson is is so massive, so athletic, and and his finesse around the rim is actually incredible. Yeah. He's got good hook shots going over his left and right shoulder. He was hitting some tough shots in the, in that game for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I. Oh, I, I I have no answer for why against St. John's particularly Providence does not just give that man the ball. Yeah, every no, play. you can't tell me when they were up what eleven in that second half if they didn't give him the ball, you know, three out of every four possessions that they don't win that game. Like I, I just I, they they would have won that game if they did that, in my opinion. And we said you know before we started recording also that that St. John's because of that size disadvantage down there they hack and whack a little bit. Yep. You're talking about M one, you're talking about three point possessions. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed like uh, they they fell in love with the three and the jump shots, and they just 
they weren't falling for them tonight. No, but we will we will definitely take it. I'll I'll say that because it's it's nice talking about a win for once with you. No, definitely for sure. It's a nice change, but I do gotta say that you know just just something to move forward. If if St. John's does see Providence in the tournament, which I'm not sure if that would be possible. I don't have the bracket ahead yeah, of me uh-huh. based on the way it would currently be, but it's tough to beat a uh, team three times in a season. This is true. This is true. I, I I think it would be unlikely unless they met in the in the finals, but that's that's a that's a very good point. Yeah, so that, that's a that's a big philosophy, man. I had to find a way to work it in before the Big East tournament. <laughs> you had to get that cliche in, right? Yeah, tough to beat a team three times in a season unless you're the one seed playing St. John's after the after the Wednesday night, yeah. Tuesday night game. <laughs> the the St. John's on on twelve hours rest game. That's what that yeah, game should be. <laughs> in which case, it's a guaranteed thirty five point victory, i.e., Villanova and Xavier. Very true. Very true. All right, Brendan. Thank you. Uh, thank you as always for coming on, man. It's, it's good to talk after a win, and uh, we always yes. love your insight, man. Yes, I'm also taking credit for the Villanova win because I declined to come on the podcast after earlier in the day. Yes, that that is that is absolutely true. Ret- retroactively, one month ago, we give you credit for that one as well. Yep. So, you know, I guess I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. Thank thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Have a, have a good rest of your night, and uh, we'll talk soon for sure. Yep. Where's my Legacy Classic T-shirt? It's it's still in the mail, man. I'm telling you, it's on its way. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, thank you once again to Brendan Myers for coming on. He always does a fantastic job. We always appreciate him coming on. He was our first ever guest a couple of years ago when we started this show and uh, remains one of our better guests uh, to come on for sure. So thank you always to, uh, to Brendan. I will say this, we're already kind of running a little bit long here than we normally do, but I will say this, I'm, I'm very happy with myself that I don't let myself tweet during the games. I usually just reserve tweeting until after the games. And I'm very happy that I do that because I probably would have complained about Rasheem Dunn in the first half like everyone else does. And I probably would have made myself look silly with the way that he played in the second half. So I'll just say that. There's a lot of people on Twitter tonight that were saying some... I don't want to say rude things, but but accurate things about how Rasheem Dunn was playing, complaining about him, you know, saying they can't wait for him to graduate and everything like that. And then he comes out in the second half and really shuts them all up. Um, so I'm happy that I wasn't one of those people. I make a fool out of myself on Twitter enough uh, with some of my tweets and some of my predictions and some of my takes. So I'm happy that I don't tweet during games usually. That's that's why I don't tweet during games usually, and I just wait until the uh, until the final buzzer. Because even even the game like the uh, the Georgetown road game for an example i tweeted with about a minute left in that game oh this is an embarrassment what are we doing what an embarrassing loss against georgetown and then if you'll remember uh greg williams ties that game up with the layup with 0.4 seconds left uh making me look like an idiot so from that point forward i said i'm not tweeting anymore during games unless it's just like a small observation i'm not not tweeting any more opinions during games so just my two cents that i'm sure no one really cares about that um thank you all for listening to this to this pretty long episode actually we're pushing up on 38 minutes so thank you for that i'm gonna do a show not gonna be able to do a show saturday i apologize in advance for that or or most likely won't be able to do a show saturday so i apologize for that but i will be back we're gonna do a big east preview show big east tournament preview show probably coming out monday or tuesday at the latest i would say next week so be on the lookout for that uh the big east first round game i will absolutely have a show out 
right after that one as well. So certainly be on the lookout for that if you've listened to this entire show. Thank you as always. Uh, you know I always appreciate the support from everyone on Twitter and everything like that. So thank you as always. Until next time, hey, big win. Let's let's get another one on on Saturday night now and let's go into this conference tournament and get a bye for the first time in what feels like forever, what is really about six years. So let's do it. Let's beat Seton Hall on Saturday. As always, let's go Johnny's. <laughs>